From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. What's good, everybody? You're back for your weekly dose of the Coast to Coast. I'm your host, the one with the most. We're going to give up the ghost and also give up some information. Ah, that was terrible, but I'm going to stick with it. Um, we're going to give up some good information on Carolina basketball, uh, what's happening on the recruiting scene, but also what's going on with this season right now. Tar Heels sitting at four and two after a win against North Carolina Central. I am your host, Joey Powell. You're listening to the Inside Carolina network of podcasts. With me, as always, are the two guys who are doing the real heavy lifting, who bring that knowledge to this game. Uh, Sean Moran, all the way on the left coast. Cheryl McMillan down in the 704. Boys, what's going on? Doing all right. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for asking. Trill, how you doing? I'm all right, man. Just ready. Cowboy, Cowboys won today. I need you to turn. I need you to turn up to 11. I didn't want them to win though. This draft pick season is this mock draft wow. season. I want a top three pick. And I was like, why would you win? Okay. Well, I, I'm minus, not gonna minus 13 though, plus 240. Not gonna <laughs> not gonna <laughs> critique your fandom, uh, fellas. We got plenty to talk about, and before we do so, I want to make sure we give a shout out to our friends. Our holiday homies over at Johnny T-Shirt. Really appreciate what they do for Inside Carolina, for the local community. Uh, We appreciate all of you guys supporting them. If you have not got your Christmas gifts yet, please, johnnytshirt.com. They have sales galore going on right now. You can deck your halls. uh, You can fa-la-la your laws. Whatever you need with UNC gear, Johnny T-Shirt has it. I said on the Inside Carolina Live show on Saturday, which uh, has been a ton of fun with Tommy Ashley and Chris Morris, but if Johnny t-shirt doesn't make it, you don't need it. So hook up Johnny t-shirt, make sure you're patronizing them, take care of them, make sure you're getting uh, the best gear for your wardrobe, for your home, for your man cave, uh, for your man tower. Shout out to Don Callahan. Johnny t-shirt is your place. Uh, Johnny t-shirt.com or on Franklin street in Chapel Hill. We appreciate all the support they give us and want to make sure that we're reciprocating that. And paying it forward and or backward, either way. Guys, on the recruiting front, we did see a new offer this week. And uh, Sherelle, I'll kick it to you first. Tell me about Deontay Green. I'll tell you what I know. And, you know, because of what we've been talking about for, I guess, now the last nine months, um, (laughs) it's not a ton. So he is a 2022 forward from uh asheville north carolina he goes to school at christ school which is in arden just a you know right down the street <clears throat> and uh he's someone who who's on unc's radar uh we did an intro story uh travis did for the national site a few months ago just kind of you know t- talking about him as a player he is what uh a unc source said was a is a skilled four is kind of the way they see him um so his dad will have a story out on inside carolina well, it'll be out by the time you read this. But uh, if you read the story that we posted, um, his dad um, considers him kind of a combo forward, someone who could play uh, for the four in a 
uh, big lineup or the five in a small lineup. And I think, uh, you know, it, it shows, again, that Roy Williams is trying to become more versatile while also um, having his preferred style of play. So he, I think he wants both now. Like, he definitely wants two bigs. <laughs> but if you look at some of the offers in the 2021 class, you look at their signee, Dontre Styles in the 2021 class, you look at guys like Green, you kind of see a trend over the last few years of, yes, he wants to play big you know, big boy ball like they're playing now, but they also want to be able to mix in and, and play small if they need to. Uh, so that's what I, a lot of people like about Green, just that he has some perimeter skill, but he can also, you know, play kind of a true four. Yeah, a lot of those four guys now, the big thing about the game going smaller as a whole and players getting more perimeter oriented is that four guy, whereas to 10 years ago, he's mainly playing in the post. Now you got to be able to guard on the perimeter, and that's a big thing. Sean, have you had a chance to see any of Deontay Green's film or – um, have you ch- had a chance to analyze his game whatsoever? Well, first I thought Sherelle was going to say sees him as a four, three. And, um, I was, I was getting worried where he was going with that <laughs> one, but I think a four or five makes sense. Um, have not been able to watch a whole lot of them, but did, did get to watch him on film. And I think a skilled four makes sense. There was definitely some intriguing aspects about him, uh, without, you know, really being able to find out a whole lot of information online or, you know, events that he's done in the past besides this summer. But, you know, just in terms of watching the video, looks extremely long uh, to go with his height. So you could tell he had some on the defensive end timing uh, with block shots. Offensive end uh, seemed to have a really compact, quick release, ability to shoot out from three, could handle the ball a little bit, and, you know, really like to get it, whether as a, as a trailer or in the pick and roll, um, catch and shoot. A lot of highlights driving to the basket. You know, I think athletically that that's where it looked like he could use some improvement. Not, not that explosive. Most everything was due to his length um, and not, not the quickest guy either. So it was interesting, not that quick, but with his size, he could handle the ball. So he could get to the basket. Um, so definitely some intriguing aspects, but some aspects where he's definitely going to have to improve to be kind of a competing at the top level of the ACC. So I think he's ranked in the 60s by 24-7. You know, I think they had him 33 uh, before the latest ranking. Obviously, there have been some changes in the the staff, but currently in the low 60s. And I think right now that makes sense just given his skills slash athleticism. But if he's able to kind of work work on his body a little bit, I think obviously you can't really teach the skills. So that that can go a long way. And – I'll say too, just to add real quick, Joey, he is someone who um, is considering a reclassification and uh, you know, for UNC fans, you know, that those typically don't go UNC's way right now with him. I think it's more of a family decision uh, than anything. And I think they just have to have to kind of figure it out, but I don't think that will um, dissuade the UNC staff at all from continuing to recruit him. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on him too, is that he does have enough class credits and everything that if he wants to become a member of the 2021 class, he can. That's a good nugget. Appreciate you sharing that. And Sean, to your point, uh, still sounds like even if he's in the 2021 class, but right now as, as a member of the 22, he would have a chance to develop his body and, and work on some of those things that, that you pointed out that are probably some, some weaknesses in his game right now. Uh, anything else on the national recruiting scene, Sean, I'll go to you first that we need to we need to throw out to our listeners? You know, I, not nothing really. I think um, 
you know, being in mid-December, the high school seasons, some have started, some are about to start, and some aren't happening at all. So I think now you'll start seeing some more, you know, <clears throat> some more action. Um, I know Hunter Salas, for instance, I believe he started uh, maybe a week or two ago. So unfortunately, we won't have all the fun holiday tournaments coming up, which are usually great spots to see. Yeah. some of the talent all in one place, whether that's South Carolina, Florida, et cetera. Um, but I think, you know, with DeMarco Dunn, for instance, or Styles, you'll be able to start seeing a little bit more, more of them going forward. Shrill, anything that we need to put on our radar or are we good to move on to the, the current squad's ups and downs? Yeah, I think we can move on. It's, it's just, it's quiet, man. And, and I don't know if it's going to really, you know, it's going to pick up some, like Sean said, but it's just not going to be what it was with campus visits. And, right. um, you know, this, <clears throat> North Carolina took advantage uh, for a few years of juniors being able to take official visits starting on January 1st of their spring semester. Um, they did that more than anyone. And that's how they got some commitments back in 14 and 15. And they had started doing that again um, here in the recent past. So um, that's out the window this year. So they're not going to be able to use that. So I, it's, it's a lot of this is going to be guesswork, man, with the 2021 and 2022 classes. Uh, you're going to see who can scout and who can't because um, there's just not a lot of film. There's not live events. There's not action. It's, it's kind of, you talk to people, you get a feel for whether or not a kid can play and you trust your, your scouting and your, and your eval and you see what happens in two or three years. I think, you know, one, one thing to add uh, regarding Salas, we, we've kind of talked about UNC and Kentucky. I think the games we've been watching just showcase how important a player like Salas could be for next year, given kind of the, scoring ability and, you know, kind of a secondary ball handler. And I know we've talked about Kentucky as one of the, the leaders, but Kentucky hasn't really been doing themselves any, any favors. Um, and with all the guards that they have right now, I mean, obviously some are going to be one and done, but there could be a little bit of a backlog there. So once again, I think we'll be talking a lot more about Salas as, as the time goes on, just because I think his importance is going to grow for UNC in this class. Yeah, and I think that's a great point to make and is a good segue into talking about the current squad, about who's on the roster now based on expectations three months ago, who may still be around versus who may be moving on. And guys, uh, a busier week than we, we, would have, we would have expected last week at this time. Uh, North Carolina added uh, NC Central, played them on Saturday in the Smith Center uh, after playing in Iowa City on Tuesday against Iowa in a game that you know, a lot of Tar Heel fans, you know, myself included, uh, I don't like to watch the Tar Heels lose. I think most folks are, are just not really happy to see to see Carolina take an L. But there were some things to be, uh, I think, happy about and optimistic about coming out of that game, just about the way the team fought and the way some of the younger guys played and battled. And then Saturday happened against North Carolina Central, and I think a lot of that goodwill may have gone out the window just from some clunky play, <laughs> Uh, not a lot of rhythm and the turnovers. I just feel like this team is very, is, is very much susceptible to kicking the ball quite a bit. And, and Cheryl, I'll go to you first. Uh, can these turnovers be fixed? Yeah, I think so. I, I think I do wonder if Saturday and again, not excuse making, just trying to explain. I wonder if Saturday was a young team who played really well for stretches against Iowa thinking, okay, we turned the corner. We're feeling good about ourselves. Uh, we went up to Iowa. Yeah, we lost the game, but 
we showed ourselves well. And then you get to Saturday, you're like North Carolina Central, you know, we should beat them. And I wonder if that was part of, um, even though the players would never admit it, and even though the coaching staff, I'm sure, you know, kind of beat into their head, hey, like, hey, this team can come in here and beat you because you're not right. playing well. I do wonder if some of that came through with the play that we saw for probably 30 minutes of the 40 minutes against NC Central. Um, you know, outside of that, there, you know, there's a good stretch there in the second half, and then they gave it all away at the end. Um, but I, I was, I was, I wouldn't say encouraged, but. Um, I think there were some things to be positive about from that NC Central game. Um, despite the turnovers, I think Caleb Love, uh, you know, I, I personally think he's starting to figure some things out. And um, the turnovers are just still those guys, just their heads are just moving so quickly and they're thinking and they're processing. And I hate to be repetitive, but it's just it's just the way it is at Carolina and it's how it's always been. And as long as Roy Williams is there, it's how it's going to be um, is that you, there's just some, you know, paralysis by analysis for these guys when they're getting into the system and just take time for them to, to mold, you know, their national, their uh, natural basketball instincts with what the system wants them to do. And we're seeing that play out live more so because there are two, uh, freshman yep. guards then there are then there's one freshman guard and then there's a wing who we will talk about a little bit who's not playing um, up to his talent level frankly so uh, I think all that combined gives you an uneven performance like you saw on Saturday um, yeah. but the fact that they're just so big uh, it does give them not a, a large margin of error but a, a somewhat margin for error just because of the way they rebound and because they're so, so much bigger than everybody else. I love that you pointed that out about Kale Love. It does seem like the game is slowing down a little for him. He didn't seem to be pressing as much against Central. He did seem to be more engaged on the defensive end against Central, which is more than we can say for uh, some of some of the other starters, as you mentioned. Sean, I'll throw to you, but I also want to leave some of the meat on the bone here for real because I know this is a kind of a sore spot for him. But these slow starts are becoming a trend as well, and, and I think that's a little concerning. Uh, just from a standpoint of, of, of why are they struggling to start with a certain energy level to begin a game, but then the third quarter, when you break it out time-wise, I know there aren't quarters in college basketball, but when you break it out time-wise, that third 10-minute segment is really when they're making their hay. What can you make out of that, Sean? How, how do you feel about it? What, what can you make out of it? Is there a way to kind of shift that energy maybe to the start of the game so they're not digging out of a hole? It's, it's a great question. And I mean, you look at Iowa, it, you know, it's not like they changed the lineup going into the second half. And, you know, for the very first possession, you just saw the energy and the focus that they had from the very first possession. And, you know, the first 10 minutes, they outscore Iowa by 11. <laughs> Excuse me. And really, they get it. They make it a game in the first three minutes. And then they're going back and forth for another eight or so before they take the lead. And then as soon as they kind of take the lead and play tech scores, then they kind of get the knockout punch, but then you go to NC central. And once again, it's just slow plotting and lack of energy. And I don't know. I mean, you look at the team, do they need a, a lineup change? Is that going to do anything? Um, I mean, you're starting three guys from a team that was the worst team in the ACC last year. Maybe, I mean, it, it's worth a shot because I think right now the main thing is offensively um, they're, they're struggling to get baskets and, Right now they have a, you know, a ceiling of being able to make six three-pointers a game, maybe, um, with R.J. Davis being really the only guy. And, he, you know, even he 
Um, you know, NC Central didn't shoot the ball that well. So, you know, could it be helpful to have a play tech who has played very well the last two games, kind of in the lineup, stretch the floor, has been shooting the ball well, just to see if that opens the floor a little bit. And then you bring Leakey in off the bench or, you know, Walton possibly, but I don't think that's going to solve everything. So I guess that's a long, long way of saying, I don't know, but it is frustrating. And I think it goes back to just the, the, the ceiling on this team offensively is not very high with the current lineup. Um, and I think it would be nice to have another one or two of these NC central games, just to have gotten a little more reps for Puff or Walton, et cetera, um, just to see what they can do and, and get them acclimated because, you know, every team's not going to hit 17 threes like Iowa did, but they're going to hit 10 and you're hitting three. I mean, every game you're going to be a disadvantage and you're, you're putting so much pressure on your post players to perform um, at the, at a top level that, it, that it's not sustainable to, um, you know, have a strong ACC record. Yeah. Rel, I want to kick the same thing to you and you and I had this conversation uh, in a different medium about the fact that there's no fans in the stands and, you know, why are, why are the coaches having trouble generating energy? I think Sean hit on a good point about, you know, do they need somebody else off the bench to generate that energy? But how do you feel about it? Is, is there a way around this? Yeah, I don't know. And I think if we ask Roy Williams, because I, frankly, when I, when, when a team does something, you know, six or seven or eight games in a row, um, and it's something that it isn't, uh, let me rephrase when that happens six or seven times in a row, I think the coaching staff bears the ultimate responsibility for correcting mm -hmm. it. And I, I just think it's a matter, like you said, there's, it's just different. Everything about this year is unique. Um, and we talked all offseason about how guys were going to have to create their own energy. And maybe the coaching staff is going to have to create that energy through, I don't know if it's lineup changes. I don't know if it's, you know, letting guys dance like Danny Green did, you know, in, before the games. It, there just has to be something different because right now um, it's it's we've seen it too many times. If yeah. it was one game or two games or three games that they it's were a down. Thing now. Yeah, it's a thing now. <laughs> and, you know, whenever something becomes a thing, then also you have to worry about up here. I'm pointing to my head for those listening on podcasts, um, because then it's like it, it's something that the team is aware of that they know about. And it starts getting in their head like, oh, here we go again, getting down 12 to three or getting down 21 to nine or, or whatever it may be. Um, so, I, you know, I, it, again, if we asked Roy Williams, he would say, well, if I knew the answer, I would do it. It's, right. that's, that's kind of where it's at. I just think maybe they do need to try something different. And it doesn't it might not be something as dramatic as a lineup change. It just might be. I, it could be a different anything. color Gatorade, man. Yeah, it, could be, it, up. <laughs> it could be, it could be staying in the locker room for five more minutes or, or playing the music, you know, a couple of decibels louder. It could be some small thing that we're not thinking of, but it has to change because once you get into the ACC schedule, I tell you what, if you get down, you know, 31 to 15 in Raleigh or something, those people are going to be, well, I guess there's no people there. So never mind. <laughs> <laughs> that ruins my argument. Um, but you know, you just can't, you can't do that. You're playing with fire. And I think yeah, that's, that's yeah, a salient that's the point. point. And, and, and it's been too many times where they've done that. And I just, that, that is worrisome and it's, it's a trend and it has a change for them to, to be the team they want to be. Well, and, and so I, lo I love the way you, you kind of led with that. I, I think it shows some resilience from the squad that they're able to, to bounce back and that they're able to claw back into games. And most of them, they've actually come back and taken the lead, which is that that's remarkable. And it's something that we couldn't have said about last year's squad. But what's frustrating is to your point, Sherelle, is that, 
these games aren't played in a vacuum. And at some point you may not be able to come back like that. So let's try to see if we can, see if we can find a way from the coaching staff somehow to get these guys not to dig themselves that kind of a hold to start a ball game. And uh, let me jump in and just again, talking about a young team, that's another thing that you have to learn about a a young team is that they, they're still figuring out what it takes and how much energy it takes to compete at the division one slash ACC level every single night. And in high school, maybe you could get away with a school who wasn't as good or a school with a poor record or you knew didn't have as good of players as as your team had. Maybe you could get away with that, get down 20 and still win by 20. This is not that's not going to happen now in, in, you know, Division one slash the ACC. I mean, they were two possessions away from going overtime with with North Carolina Central. Yes. And that's not to disparage North Carolina Central. That just says that North Carolina didn't play well for, you know, huge stretches of that game. So I, to me, I think it's partly something that the coaching staff needs to look at and also just another side effect of having a very young team. Yeah, and teams with older guards is something that they've seen a lot of to start this season, and I think it will continue to, to phase them until they can mature as, as the season goes along. Sean, I want to throw this out to you. One of the positives from the game against Central and from the season as a whole is I think Carolina fans are seeing – uh, a nice jump and a nice set of improvement from Armando Baycott, which I think had to happen. I think we've talked about how uh, bringing in more talent in the post is going to to challenge him more because they just didn't have the bodies to push him last year. But something else I've seen is he's gotten a lot more efficient with his movement. Uh, he's gotten a lot more compact with his moves. And, and I think it's making the game a little easier for him, which – Anytime you've got that luxury of being able to get different sorts of, of effect from, from your different players off the bench in the post, I think that's a nice, nice little arsenal for Roy Williams and his staff. How do you feel like uh, Armando has been able to improve his game, and what do you think he can continue to improve upon as the season goes along? Yeah, I mean, I think we, we kind of touched on the very end of last week's podcast with Baycott of how, how he, he, he did look improve. A lot of that was his, a little bit on his body, and as you said, the compact moves where – Last time he was always bringing the ball down, trying to get go to the basket. He was getting stripped almost every time, um, and he wasn't really making quick moves. And now, you know, here he is um, once again. Kind of when he, when he catches the ball, he's not really thinking; he's just reacting, and it's kind of a very quick move. Um, Body wise, I mean, once again, there've been a few times where, um, you know, he he's a. I think he was he was really just kind of hanging in the air on a two hand dunk against NC Central. <laughs> And for him, I mean, he can, he, he can now athletically um, kind of compete at, at a top level. So I think for him, you know, the one, the one thing that I would like to see a little more of, and I think whether it's him or Brooks, it, it needs to happen to kind of open things up. But, you know, he was, he had the ball from around 17 or 18, hesitated and kind of dribbled, dribbled, and, and then shot a jump shot from the free throw line and made it. Hit the jumper. Yeah. He hit the jumper, uh, which probably the, first jumper I've seen him hit maybe outside of the, the paint in, in some time. And if you have either him or Brooks, I can just knock down a short little jumper that could go a long way because I mean, those guys are just getting, you know, in the post two, three guys on them and it's hard for them to literally do anything. Um, so I think Armando has been, been playing very well. You know, obviously Iowa got into a little bit of, of foul trouble um, and, and, offensively didn't have as great of a game but that's kind of the nice thing about having some depth at that position but I would say yeah he's been 
and definitely a, a bright spot um, so far for UNC. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Sherelle, I want to ask you a, a question that I think has also been uh, has been something that was really unexpected, and that's how much better the spacing on the floor seems to be when Andrew Playtech is out there. Uh, maybe I just noticed that in the central game, but specifically in the central game, I feel like the post uh, post players were able to maneuver a little bit because the spacing was better when Playtech was on the floor. Now all of a sudden, he you know you have Andrew Playtech triggering an eight zero run. Is is Playtech becoming a thing? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I mean, we, we thought that he would play. Um, now, whether or not I thought he'd be shooting 40% from three uh, <laughs> at this point in the season, I, I don't know because he just – he shot it so poorly, you know, his – his uh, well, last year, really, shot it so poorly in extended minutes. And um, to Sean's point, what he's been saying this entire season is that, you know, it's, it's hard to have two non-shooters in the game at the same time when you're playing two bigs, like right. you can have one non shooter, but if you have two, it just clogs things up so much in the middle and forces you to have guys who maybe shouldn't be taking shots, taking a lot of shots. Um, and if, so, you know, if Playtech can continue just to hit a couple per game. That's really all this team needs. They don't need, they don't need to become, you know, a team that takes 30, 40 threes a game. That's not, that's not in this unit's DNA. That's not who this team is going to be. We, it, there's one thing and I'm, I'm I'm going back and forth. There's one thing about this team we know. We know kind of uh, what it's going to be. We know what it is. We know its style. Um, mm-hmm. So if Playtech can just do what he's doing, um, I, I think he's he's been a, a, a pleasant surprise. If R.J. Davis can continue to improve, and if Caleb can just in, increase his shooting some, he doesn't have to become a 40% shooter. That gives you three guys who can knock down shots. And if they're going to play together, then that, you know, like Sean said, that opens things up a ton for Baycott and Sharp and Kessler and Brooks to go in there and, and, and do their thing. Um, and also, uh, you know, the, the best time for offensive rebound is a long rebound. So even if you miss a wide open three, we talk about being willing shooters. Even if you miss a wide open three, the chances are, I, I think they're up around 25, 26% yeah. rebounding their misses. Chances are, you know, North Carolina is going to get an offensive rebound, uh, you know, a, a good amount. So there really isn't a bad shot for those guys if they're open. So just take it. And I think um, that's something that they have to just keep pushing to those guys is, look, don't be scared. You know, don't hesitate. Play basketball. Take the shot. Uh, good things will happen if you just take the shot. Yeah, it sounds like that uh, Coach Davis, Hubert Davis, said some of that to the team uh, before the second half against North Carolina Central. And I think you make a great point uh, with uh, a front line that's rebounding one out of four misses. You take those odds and all you have to do is have guys on the outside that aren't afraid to shoot. That's one of the things that are a nice surprise. I think about Kerwin Walton and uh, Puff Johnson so far is that those guys at least look like they're not afraid to shoot when it's in there, which will to an extent. And to your point, uh, keep a defense honest. Um, now we've talked about some improvement and how Andrew Playtech has tried to has kind of helped things um, for the Tar Heels on the perimeter. 
we're still not seeing some things from somebody that should be an upperclassman and a leader, and and specifically on the defensive end. Rel, I'll throw it to you first. This isn't going to be a, a Barry Leaky situation, but I, I do think the Tar Heel staff and the team need a little more out of him uh, in a couple of different areas. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think Leaky would say the same thing. Uh, you know, on whenever the topic of, of Leaky comes up, as we've said numerous times, he's, <laughs> he's kind of divisive among the fan base. I would say – um, that when he does things well, I think people should recognize that. And when he doesn't, the people who defend him need to recognize that as well and be fair. And to be fair, he did not play great. The last two games, he's not played great defense. And I think he a knows lot of chasing. that. A lot, of, a, lot, a lot of chasing. I think he's been, um, you know, that first step sometimes gets him. Um, and he's able to recover sometimes because of his length. But there are times that 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 penetration that he allows just opens up the floor for shooters and for offensive rebounds. And it just can be really, really um, harmful for North Carolina's defensive efforts when that happens. Um, so, I, you know, he's got to play better. Uh, you know, I, I think against Stanford in Texas, I thought he played really well, minus a couple of turnovers and a couple of bad shots. But I think if he's not going to be kind of um, – the defensive ace that the staff wants him to be and that he has shown he can be at times. Um, and if he's uh, going to continue to turn the ball over, then they're going to have to reassess what we talked about last week, which is how much more, um, how much, how, how high, how much higher does the ceiling go for the team? If they say, you know what, let's, let's give Puff and Walton those minutes, let them grow their shooters. They can open up spacing, but they might be, you know, not nearly as good defenders, not nearly as good rebounders. And maybe they don't have the poise that Leaky does in certain situations. So they have to weigh that. And, you know, I, I don't expect Roy Williams <laughs> to make a change anytime soon, but uh, you know, I do think Leaky needs to play better and he, you know, he'd be the first to tell you that. So it's not, we're not disparaging him or anything. Yeah, and some of the things, too, I think that uh, some of the mistakes he's making are some of the same things you would probably get from a, a Puff Johnson or a Kerwin Walton. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, upperclassmen for, for Central were just simply beating him when he would over, overplay the passing lanes and, and going backdoor on him and just getting out of position. And that's, that's tough to see from somebody who's been in the program as long as Leaky has. Um, Sean, one thing you feel like uh, Leaky Black could probably make us a small tweak in and improve his game and thus improve the, the prospects for the Tar Heels? Um, I, I mean, I, I think he, he does a few, you know, go, go, defensive rebounding. Uh, he's very good at times at coming in, grabbing the ball, uh, grabbing a board and starting a break. Triggering, yeah. Triggering a break. I don't think he's, you know, so you say like I'm, in football, he's, he's really, you know, they're really good, you know, outside of the 20s, but from the 20-yard line to the 20-yard line. And he's really good basically getting to that 20 yard line. Um, and if he can do that, just to increase the tempo, um, I think is a benefit. I don't think he's a great passer or finisher. So if he can kind of give it up beforehand, but once again, that gets the team playing faster, you know, there's a few times in the Iowa game, you know, he hit a three from the left wing, didn't think about it, just shot it, clean look, hit it. Um, the other time he pushed the ball up, passed it to Caleb Love for an assist. So there's things he does, very or he can do very well but once again he was kind of handed the the starting spot last year just out of you know there wasn't anybody else and he hasn't really been truly pushed and I feel you know if he's coming off the bench he can offer a lot of what he does in smaller minutes um versus him playing 30 or plus you know 30 plus minutes because you're not going to shoot the ball 
then everybody's just going to sag on the post. And once again, you're playing four on five offensively. This team, at least, they, they need to at least have a potential for increasing their play. And I think if he's coming off the bench, he can still do a lot of things he does well. Um, but now you're kind of limiting the, the sample size. Um, so in, in terms of what can he do to improve, um, once again, I think it's just, a, you know, offensively a little bit more movement and attacking and trying to make, make things happen. Um, Cause we did see it against Stanford and Texas when he was being aggressive, yeah. he can make plays happen. But if you're just out on the wing, not being aggressive, then it hurts everybody. Really would love to see it just click for him because I think it would just, like you guys were saying, would just improve so much uh, of, of some, some small things and some nuance for the overall game for the team. Uh, anything else you guys want to want to touch on before we wrap this one? I'll throw one thing out there because uh, we haven't really mentioned his name, but Dayron Sharp. Um, I mean, he just kind of brings a smile to my face at any time he's playing because he, you know, we talk about energy and he brings so much energy, whether it's on on the floor or on the bench. And he, even the Iowa game where he, he was going faster than his his mind was processing, but the mistakes he was making, you're kind of like, all right, like he's playing so hard where you're kind of fine with them. But I mean, once again, he was giving Garza trouble just with his length and, yeah. and his size. You know, there was one time he made a move on a baseline and, you know, he, he got ended up getting blocked, but the move he made was, was really good. And then talk about the spin he made yeah, uh, yeah. to the baseline. Yeah. <clears throat> the spin baseline. And I thought he was about to two hand dunk, but you know, Garza got him from behind and, um, you know, even NC Central, really strong offensive rating during the game. And once again, he's – he. I mean, you know, he, this past week we've seen some of the ESPN and SIs of the world start to put him in their top 15. So yeah. who knows how – you know, is he here next year? Um, that, that's a question. But at least for now, he's getting better every, every game. And he is um, – he is playing so hard when he gets in. So he's always fun to fun to watch because he's going to make something happen, whether it's rebounding, blocking shots or getting a basket down low. Shout out to all the other fellow dads out there. I think Dayron has some Wreck-It Ralph in him, right? <laughs> just like not, not just from the physicality, but just like everything is so smash physical. Like Hansborough had the motor, but Dayron has just the physicality about everything that he does. And we had heard, and you guys had mentioned on, on this pod before, that he just wants to dunk everything. And, and you can see that. And I'm surprised he hasn't taken more souls than he has so far. But I think it's coming. Sherelle? Yeah. And, you know, to your point, the, the lobs uh, that we saw in the second half against mm -hmm. NT Central, Caleb started to figure it out. And that was because, not up because there. of, but Dayron Sharp, you know, helped him. And, and when you have someone like that, you can lean on those kind of things to get you into the flow of the game. Now, Dayron, he doesn't need to get into the flow of the game. He just comes in <laughs> like he's born right. He's like the Kool-Aid guy who just comes yeah. bursting in and like, you know, uh, that's such an old reference. I'm sorry. Um, but that's, that's not a family guy brought it back. You're okay. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. Good, good, good. But, but to Sean's point, uh, you know, um, I, I, I'm sure Roy Williams is tempted because he said he was against starting him in the second half or, or starting him. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's very tempting, but I, I wonder if that would diminish the bench and the energy that he brings in when he comes in, because the team, honestly, man, and I think all of Adrian's uh, Atkinson are, are kind of uh, our, our stat guru, all, all of his numbers show just how much better of a team they are when yeah. Sharp is in the game. 
you know, Sean kind of sends notes to uh, our little Slack group after each game. And every time, you know, without fail, when you look at offensive rating, Sharp is either number one or number two. Um, so just the more he can play, um, I, I, I don't envy Roe Williams trying to figure it out because he does have, you know, I, I think for big men who, who have skills and who show promise, but, you know, Sharp so far has acquitted himself so well that I, I think he probably has to play more minutes. So um, that's what we talked about at the beginning of the season. Yeah. The, the six best players on the team probably maybe are, guard, are guards and bigs. And the issue was just going to be trying to figure out the wings and the shooting. So we, we are where we thought we'd be at, at this point. I'm just curious to see if things change. You know, and, and we were talking about the central game being such a clunker. I think history will also show you too that most of the time during that lull of after exams or right around exams for the holidays, Roy Williams teams usually have a stinker of a game against a lesser talented uh, non-conference opponent. Am I, am I making that up or is that usually a thing? It sounds right. I, I remember a lot of Saturday games where they get down right. to they get down to Davidson 25 to 10 and have to come back, you know, that kind of thing. But, yeah, I, I feel like that happens quite often. But, fellas, appreciate the insight, as always. Appreciate you guys bringing your A games. Uh, hopefully the Tar Heels will start bringing some A games soon. Again, as you guys have mentioned today, the flashes are starting to come on. We're seeing instances of it. We're seeing a lot of good things. We're seeing some things, too, that should probably be fixed, and we're sure that we're sure the coaching staff is working on and. Uh, again, shout out to the free throw coach because he's making all the difference. But uh, for Sherelle McMillan, for Sean Moran, I'm Joey Powell. We appreciate you guys listening to the Coast to Coast podcast on InsideCarolina.com. Wherever you get this information, this uh, content, please be sure to stop, rate, review us. And if you're not subscribed, already subscribe. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. Make sure you're getting everything that Inside Carolina is putting out because we put a lot of energy into it. We want to make sure we're bringing you guys the best content because we appreciate you our listeners slash viewers slash subscribers. Uh, once again, I want to thank Johnny T-Shirt. I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank Sherelle and Sean for being a part of the show. And we will catch you guys next time. This has been the Coast to Coast Podcast. Late. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.